0: jay
1: i'm sophia
2: and i'm scott welcome to witches Betwixt.
0: today we're gonna to be talking about drugs. no i'm just kidding um we're gonna be talking about all kinds of fun things that alter your i don't know mind thoughts things like that um, so, in the same vein as the kink episode, um, I kind of just want to put like a little disclaimer in the beginning here and saying that we're gonna be talking about um some i don't know if it would call it explicit stuff, but just mature, very uh mature um kind of themes here and um so yeah, so if you're listening with kids or if you are uh underage yourself, maybe this isn't the episode to listen to um. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about um, all substances that uh, alter your mind and your thoughts and all kinds of fun things like that. So,
1: I would also like to chip in. Mm-hmm. We in no way condone or encourage the use of any substances, be they illicit or otherwise. We simply are going to recount our personal experiences or knowledge with them. And ultimately everything that you choose to do with this is your choice. We push you to do nothing other than to learn and educate yourself. And we hope that the information provided can help do such. But in the end, nobody is pushing you to do anything. And we certainly do not advocate for illicit behavior.
0: Correct. Um so yeah I mean we're just we're just here to to spread some information and talk about this particular topic because I actually haven't seen this topic discussed that much especially in podcast form I could be uh, wrong I just I maybe haven't I've... come across it yet in just any podcast that I've seen
2: You know it's funny cuz I I think I've seen I mean as far as like um my entry point into this you know it would be like poison craft and um ethenogens um I think I've seen I've never actually purposely like went out of my way to listen but I have like you know I have I think I've seen other podcast titled episodes you know with talking about this topic um okay. at least as far as um sacred herbs that are used for uh ritual ritual purposes
0: Well there you go Yeah I've um, heard a few
1: episodes but they're usually in relation to a witch who uses um, henbane in their practices, or anybody who describes like flying ointment or any of a uh, Sabbat styled hallucinogenic ritual.
2: Mm. Right, which that will be where I will. Uh, that that'll be largely a me thing, but yeah, I definitely have a lot to say there.
0: <laughs> so, um, which one of you kind of want to open us up?
1: Let's have um. Let's have Scott open this up. I can chip in intermittently and then I'll dive into a whole bunch of discussion about drug use.
2: I like that, actually. I like how kind of, I think that's cool. Kind of go from like the traditional
0: to, that's cool. I so, like the more modern. Well, I mean, take you'll be
1: surprised yeah. at how, you'll be surprised at how traditional my air quotations modern take will be.
2: I mean, I know some of it, but, um, so, uh, yeah. So, firstly, I do want to kind of, if it's okay to give my own um little warning label here mm-hmm. uh, i will be discussing uh poison craft magic and i need you to, everyone and all of our listeners to understand is that poison craft is something that you need to be researching if you do choose to um in any way experience experiment or experience um these uh particular uh plants um so the use of uh the witching herbs such as uh black henbane, um uh, Belladonna, uh, uh Mandragora Fishnalis, Mandragora Autumnalis, uh, among uh, foxglove, um among many others. These are uh, some people say they are you know the gifts of Venus, some people call them sectarian herbs. Um Regardless of their planetary rulership, these herbs are uh, historically and and still to this, this to this day seen as really powerful, potent spirit allies uh, to the witch and to the sorcerer. Um, the spirit uh, alive in these plants is, are incredibly potent, um, and as I said, the history spans. Thousands of years of witches working with these particular green allies, um, and not always by, and 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 in in any way imbibing uh, per se. Not that you ever want to imbibe poison herbs. Please do not ingest poisonous herbs. Um, most of the time, when witches used these herbs, it was through the use of uh, an ointment on the skin, and the reason was is that it was easier. One, it's easier to dose, but still learn how to dose yourself with herbs appropriately, because you still can overdose on these particular poisonous um, herbs through the skin as well, but uh, it was because the skin didn't absorb everything, but it absorbed enough to reach an altered state of consciousness to fly. Um, many people believe that the uh, the myth, the, the idea of witches flying, solely came from a pagan uh, fertility festival or, or practice of rooms and fields to make the crops grow and while that's probably part of it um many times too there there were uh uh, practitioners of 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 whether it was witchcraft or cunning craft uh just because uh, for the sake of differentiating because at that time cunning folk would not like to have been called witches um however they would be found oftentimes uh naked or almost naked straddling a broom uh or sometimes a a a, uh a farmer's uh fork you know for for a pitch and hay um like a pitchfork they would yeah Mm -hmm. um and they would be found straddling it and they would kind of be going through a trip uh if you will um and the thing is is that uh, as they went through these rituals they would claim the uh, the ability of flight. Of course, they were talking about uh, astral projection, soul travel. Um, and this is in order to, to do many things. Uh, you know, uh, I think we've talked about this on here before. which is in the old, uh, in the way that they would have described it, um, in Europe anyway, they used to say a witch could look in. Right? Uh, meaning that they could look in on your life. Uh, and the way that they would do that would be to fly to your home, you could find this a lot in the old, uh, in older texts and mythology and folklores and things. Um, and the way that they were doing that was through um, astral projection, uh, a lot. Uh, they could also send other spirits, but um, flight was for that. It was also to meet other witches as well, uh, and also to meet spirits and other beings on the other side. Um, Keeping in mind also that the the, the witching herbs, the poisonous herbs, were also used, not only to reach altered states of consciousness, but also um, as powerful uh, magical assistance in sorcery. Uh, Foxglove, for instance, is uh, outstandingly protective, Um, although it is a lethal poison uh foxglove you uh, find in modern medicine it's used in a lot of heart medication um if ingested it can unfortunately stop someone's heart so once again do not ever ingest a poisonous herb um none of the herbs mentioned here please don't ever ingest them um but it is incredibly protective you can use the flowers in um amulets and spell bags and and uh If you choose to burn it as incense, please be outside, and please keep yourself at a safe distance. Generally speaking, however, don't burn poisonous herbs either. You don't know if their smoke will also be poisonous. Generally Um,
1: speaking, if they're um, poisonous to ingest via oral means, they're usually poisonous to ingest via other means, such as respiration or um, like through skin transdermal or mucous membrane.
2: Well, of course, but that's that's exactly why they would do it on the 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 skin anyway. Um, but once again, you don't really. There are certain herbs that just aren't really used. Um, there are many recipes still found of old flying ointments that you can find that are full of of wonderful intoxicants and toxins, um, natural toxins. However, uh, nowadays we tend to use things that you know are not so dangerous. Um, there are many people who who still use uh certain silencie, so like um black henbane can be uh appropriately dosed to reach a certain state um amanita uh, Am- amita massacoria uh so um people would know that as toadstool uh people use toadstool people also can um oddly enough people can also use or still use to this day um Uh, European Mandrake root, or Mandrake officinalis and autumnalis, respectively. Uh, The only real difference between officinalis and autumnalis is that autumnalis has these beautiful uh, purple and black and yellow flowers that uh, occur, um, whereas uh, European Mandrake or Mandrake officinalis uh, officinalis, uh, has white flowers. Um, but the all of these can be used for uh uh reaching altered states. And also too, another thing as well, they're also amazing uh medicine. Um many people uh for instance Atropa belladonna is uh, as well as Mandrake, root if I'm not mistaken, uh, are great for um pain if you have uh, mild arthritic pain. Uh you You can actually um and please don't once again mix with any arthritic medicine. we're not you know, I'm not a doctor, but uh, there are people that will, with mild uh, mild bruising or mild arthritic pain, will rub um a salve of, of uh, a diluted salve of these herbs into uh, the afflicted area, and it uh, they're able to help um with pain as well. Um, oh, man. What else is there to say oh um also too once again as i was saying these these particular herbs are not just for rubbing on the body and reaching altered states and for flight they're used for magic as well um i believe i've probably mentioned the Orun or uh the Ulrun. the Ulrun, pardon the olrun on here before which is a um a, an amulet or a totem of sorts from, that comes to us from uh, British folk tradition. Uh, the Ulrun is oftentimes the Mandrake root. Uh, however, from my understanding, you can also... Uh, people have used Master root, and apparently people have used Ginseng root um, as well. Um and what they would do is the Ulrin, they would uh carve it into if it wasn't already they would carve it into a more cruder sort of outline of a person to make it look more human like and they would set it in um in a in a wooden box uh often time the wood would be you know like a witching uh a witching tree right so like rowan or um ash which is what yeah, rowan uh you can use like oak and things like that and they would basically create um a little coffin if you will for this thing and oftentimes it was uh, it was fed blood of the witch and it became a green familiar. Uh, these pl- plants in general, and they don't have to be poisons by the way. you can have lavender as a green familiar. Uh, um you can work with its spirit and it will it will work with you in the, in a capacity similar to um, a familiar spirit. Um, but the the olive run is something that uh, I don't want anyone to just try either. Um, the Ulrun is a particular kind of spirit. Um, whether it be from the ginseng root or the master root or the mandrake root, uh, it, it it requires a level of persistence that not even I'm ready to try. It's it's uh, it, the stories um, that I've heard are the equivalent of a, a um, old Jewish stories where the rabbi would summon um, a uh, a golem. Uh, these particular Ulruns do not appreciate being left uh to do nothing. They need to have something to do, they need to have love and care, sort of, and without any sort of affection or any attention, they start to lash out and they 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 you know they're they're known to kind of curse the witch who made them. Uh, these are not weak spirits, these are incredibly powerful spirits. So if you have access to those herbs, please don't just try You can look it up, but unless you yourself are an experienced practitioner um, and spirit worker, please don't attempt uh, that either. Um, This is just for, you know, history's sake, learning about uh, these kind of uh, witching herbs. Um, Oh, another thing as well, uh, to kind of talk more about other herbs that people find popular. um, Atropa belladonna. Once again, highly lethal. Uh, Please be careful if you grow it or handle it. Um, However, it is a great herb for glamour. It is a great herb to um, hide your working, hide your working space from prying eyes of other practitioners. Um, It is also an amazing spirit ally to aid you in um, spirit flight. However the spirit of this particular herb is uh she is known as uh, the dark lady um there are many a ghost story in which it is said that the spirit of the belladonna is so powerful that its spirit can manifest as uh as a woman uh, with uh, with, a, with a very fair um who appears in a very long black dress and she's said to haunt places in where in which there are excess wild uh, belladonna's growing in, in, uh, in Europe. Um, she is a beguiler, right? Like I said, very good at glamour. So dealing with the spirit is, is uh, uh, one to be cautious of. Um, she likes to pull you down and maybe not let you come back. So uh, if you do use these herbs um, to reach any sort of state, uh, be careful of the spirit of the herbs as well um one thing another thing that i do want to address is that uh, there's a belief that witches used to put ointment on the end of, and they would insert it into themselves um there's believe it or not there is no hard historical evidence that that it actually happened um more than likely what what a lot of uh modern historians and uh kind of lay people uh modern practitioners what they would kind of is most likely is what they would do is they were aware of the really porous areas of the skin so like um areas like you know your thighs and things like that um like your inner thigh and whatnot uh there are other areas i mean of course the sex organs are always very porous but uh that's why they say that they would be found straddling the broom um because they would kind of put it on the thigh to kind of melt. They would also when, when found like that, these people would be, would be beside a fire to um, melt the, uh, the salve or the, the, oint- the ointment um, in order to cause the reaction, right? It would, it would happen faster. Um, so I do want to say that there is not necessarily a hard evidence that there was a, like a sort of a sexual sort of element to this. Um, it may have. But uh, many modern historians don't think that that was necessarily the case. Um,
1: Well, I I mean, physiologically speaking, if you're applying something to a mucous membrane, it's going to be a much more experience. And there's certain substances like henbane, which you can apply to certain parts of your skin, depending that you right. should absolutely never, ever apply to a mucous membrane, such as your eye or any type of like vagina or anus.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah same as uh, what you call it, mandrake root. Um, you can apply it to your inner thigh, like your, uh, like sort of your thigh, but never directly to your sex organs. <clears throat> 'Cause it's it, it's just it's it's just too much and it can really hurt you.
1: And nobody wants to die from being too high. That is the worst way to go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs>
0: Jay,
1: what were you gonna say? Did you have something?
0: No, I was just gonna say I think the um the whole idea- the whole I guess the, the folklore or myth I guess around um witches and stuff like that inserting things into themselves i think that was just because they wanted to make it sound like a sexual perversion Mm -hmm. um to discourage people from doing it or discourage people from being interested in it but i mean honestly if we know anything about how humans work is that the more you um make something seem perverted and weird and deviant um the more people are gonna seek it out and be interested in it so i don't know if that really had the effect they were looking also, for
1: like i'm just gonna throw this out there witches are all about knowing plenty about your body maybe mm. witches did pioneer mm. you know using a little broomstick with just a lubricant not necessarily you know Henbane, uh using that for a good time and being like, Hey y'all, look what you can do with your broomstick, and other people would be like, Wow, I never knew that's that's like shit that witches figure out. You know what I mean? Like witches
0: 100%. created sex toys. You heard it here, <sighs> folks.
1: Uh, that's okay, look. <laughs> look, I'm gonna I be a hundred percent fucking honest. My new book, The Witches Dildo. <laughs> Sure. A memoir. But like, I don't care whether you're a witch or a not, or not. If you manage to create sex toys, you're a fucking magician. Mm-hmm. If you invented it, I don't care. You're, you're a magician just by right of action.
0: It's magic. That's
2: not as often uh, talked about for a good reason uh, is uh, the opium poppy. Now, uh, once again, I know I have a lot of kind of uh, warnings with these herbs, but it's, it's kind of important to, to me to make sure that Uh, you, the listener, are not going out and harming yourselves in any way. There's a reason why uh, modern practitioners do not use opium poppy um, in any form of, at least as far as imbibing or creating a salve or anything like that, at least not anymore. We now, of course, know that opium uh, is highly addictive. So also, too, you can legally grow opium uh, in most places. However, if you are caught uh, if you are caught farming large portions of opium and cutting the bulb, uh you will be arrested pretty much on the spot. so do not uh, don't get arrested and don't get addicted to anything please. Um, however, opium does uh, opium poppies do have an important part in mystical practice. Um, we do know uh, about uh, Elysium. <clears throat> from uh what is it, Greek mythology? I'm not the best with mythology. <clears throat> uh they the the reason that they're seen as this very hypnotic uh sleep like herb, right? Uh has to do with uh the the, the uh if I'm not mistaken, it has to do with like hypnos and, and and kind of that family of spirits or of gods and deities. Um it is a catholic so it, it is meant to kind of put you into dream space, um, which it was once used by oracles and seers to do. Um, it was, it, and nowadays, of course, most witches use it sort of uh, amuletic, right? We use it to kind of maybe decorate an altar, or we use it as a charm or an amulet. We You know, we let it dry. Um, but there was once a time when uh, opium poppies were used to uh, also for, for mystics and oracles and which is to reach altered states as well. But once again, like I said, um, with modern science, we understand that opium, even from the raw flour without being processed in any way, um, is incredibly addictive and very dangerous. So, uh, yeah. Yeah to give a little history on that.
1: And do you want me to just jump in here and start talking about drugs now? Yeah,
2: yeah, kind of like, because I feel like opiates are are very modern, you know, people right. understand what, you know what I'm saying? That's kind of what I was trying yes. to say.
1: So I'm here to just drop a little bit of knowledge. One of the big things about opium or um, poppies is that the, the nature of the flower allows them to grow in very arid regions similar to grapes? So poppies can grow pretty much fucking anywhere as long as they have enough water. You can grow them in a the desert, you can grow them anywhere if it's not too cold to kill them. They'll grow. And that's why they're such a widespread uh, drug. Like their their seeds are tiny, they're easy to smuggle, they're carried in. Poppies are used as food, poppy seed bagels, all this shit all the time, right? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's and, and beyond that, what I don't think a lot of people understand is that drugs don't come from nowhere. Like opium, the which is just a refined form of poppies, people like deliberately made. And um, where do you think morphine comes from?
0: Mm-hmm. Morphine
1: is literally medical grade opiates. Uh, where does things like oh God, what is it? Fentanyl come from? Fentanyl is horse tranquilizer grade opiates. Yeah. And something like that can kill someone, right? So all of these drugs were created pharmacologically in a laboratory. They they weren't just like you don't just get morphine without lab refinement, right? So same thing goes for drugs like even entirely synthetic ones like methamphetamine. Uh, Drugs like that are invented in labs. They're not invented by like street dealers. They're invented by people in like scientific locations with government grants trying to develop a a type of substance so like amphetamines were developed as military stimulants they like literally gave amphetamines to soldiers in the form of stimulant gum all the goddamn time like they give them to jet pilots so they can help focus when they fly right and That's what Adderall and a lot of ADHD drugs are, is they're simply small doses of amphetamines They're like, microdosing amphetamines, essentially, although maybe not necessarily microdosing, but they're small doses of amphetamine to, like, prop you up and give you, like, that bit of focus, right? And you want to look into most substances, and they usually have, like, a base within nature, right? So you have, like, say, LSD, a substance that is greatly misunderstood. Misunderstood because people colloquially call it acid when it's nothing to do with acid. a lot of people think it's synthetic when it's extracted from like morning glory seeds or um I referenced this in a different episode it's not exactly morning glory seeds but it's like extracted from like specific things in nature and herbs like LSD isn't something that they just craft in a lab of chemicals right um the same thing goes for, like, mescaline, that's a laboratory derivative of peyote, which is a sacred uh, drug to the people in the region who grew it, you know? Uh, all of these things, like, usually if you look at who develops substances, it's indigenous or um, pagan people in their local regions, like ayahuasca or uh, flying ointment or um any of the numerous very variations of any hallucinogenic substance or brew um and and you look at all around the world all of these substances consistently were used for like spiritual practices for like bringing you closer with the divine and if you've ever like tripped there is a real real beautiful aspect on it and it's scary as fuck like i'm i'm somebody i'm not going to like sit here and lie to you i've done a fair amount of hallucinogenics and drugs in my day. Um, I'm not actually actually actively doing anything other than marijuana these days, which is um, 100% perfectly legal within the country of Canada. If you and Speaking as somebody who lives in a country that doesn't have a whole bunch of propaganda on marijuana, here's some facts. One in ten people who use marijuana will probably get addicted. Me, I'm addicted. You actually can't have withdrawal. It goes for about three days, you feel sick, you want to throw up and you have trouble eating after that suddenly you're fine you get over day three you're fucking good and you're actually not even gonna crave it anymore then it still stays in your system for about 30 days through your fat cells or your hair, depending on which is metabolized. And it can stay longer than 30 days, depending on how long you've been using it, how far into your fat stores it's gone, et cetera, et cetera. But that's mainly testing for, like, a system that wants to degrade you for using this substance as though it's somehow innately harmful for you, which it isn't. Um, Go ahead and look at any type of, like, what's happened in countries with legalization with Canada no one's died from weed at all, ever. No one's gotten shot over it. There hasn't been a single fucking, like, that-related death here pretty much at all that I know of, right? And, like, all it did was put more money in the government's pocket and allow people safer access to something that they were going to do anyways. And, personally speaking, you get really interesting insights in, like, Personal epiphanies when you're on these substances sometimes. And it stands to reason why an entire system that doesn't want you to think outside the box will not allow you to take a substance that opens your mind because. Like, our society evidences itself that drugs are one of the highest things that you can utilize, you know? Drugs can save us through heart medication or hormones or anything. You know, we have fixes for stuff. We put faith in pharmacy. And if you have a pharmacological substance that allows somebody to just suddenly think more open-mindedly... Or understand concepts that they otherwise wouldn't have before taking it why would you allow people to take that you know like for example LSD when the the CIA and all the organizations were using it. They were using it to try and get people to be better killing machines. But people didn't want to hurt people on it. They decided not to. So they determined that it, as a substance, didn't have any use uh, to make people conform. And therefore, it was scheduled as illegal.
0: This is probably the one thing that I can weigh on is marijuana because I do use it. Um So... I used to like for the longest time I didn't like even as a teenager I never really I never really had um like a party phase. Um I never did the whole like oh drinking and smoking and you know like that kind of thing. Yeah. So I never I never really had that kind of phase. I was largely um uninterested in that. So the the party aspect of drugs never really appealed to me. And also I st- I didn't, and still don't like taking even just over-the-counter stuff. Like if I have a headache, like I will try my damnedest to treat it with, you know, how the the delicate balance of caffeine and water, and maybe I just need to lay down, and, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, I even still and and it and it extra pisses me off too because I um I'm type two diabetic, so there's like. A couple pills i have to take every day and i hate that i have to take these pills so i'm trying to like get my diet under control and you know hopefully i know, you know get my weight down and stuff like that so that way hopefully i can be more of like a diet controlled diabetic versus you know i have to shove like four different pills in my down my throat every day so like i have a weird relationship with the concept of drugs in general i don't um look down on anyone who uses them i genuinely feel bad for people who get addicted to them Um, but even then that's sort of like a slippery slope because it's kind of like, there's a lot of like mental health and things that kind of go into that. Um, but so I would say like my, my opinion of drugs overall is largely like, I kind of like hate modern medicine, but also love it all at the same time because without the advances of modern medicine, like, well, we have synthesized testosterone. I take that, I use that, you know, to achieve what I need and what I want. So it's um it's a really back and forth kind of um relationship for me. But in terms of marijuana, I only recently really started using it um I would say regularly. Uh probably like every day, every other, you know, um I partake. And I started to and honestly the reason that I started um smoking it was because binding it hurts wearing a binder for 10 12 14 hours a day which you're not supposed to do but i often had have to um it hurts it it just hurts and so i noticed that the when i smoke weed i felt better and the pain wasn't there and i was like well this is fucking great um you know alcohol didn't do that for me alcohol just kind of made me dehydrated and made me feel like crap the next morning so so I, you know, kind of just started smoking weed for that reason. Um and now I think I could just kind of use it more regularly because I realized it's helped me in a lot of other ways. Um I do feel less anxious overall now that I partake on the regular. Um and I feel like I can I feel like things don't piss me off as fast. I feel, you know, I feel like kind of calm. Yeah um the, th- the the thing that i hate about it is that it makes me fucking hungry and testosterone also makes me fucking hungry oh. so <laughs> yeah i just i want to eat everything so it's like really hard to to like i have to like surround myself with good snacks um now in terms of using it for magic and witchcraft i've realized it has helped me immensely in that yeah. department it has helped me so much because i am a person that i I have said this before, you know, I have a hard time I have a hard time taking down the walls. I have a hard time opening myself to um like psychic experiences and those kinds of energies. I have a really difficult time doing that. And if I smoke a little bit before I do ritual or spellcraft or even um even before we record this podcast or before um I do some writing or reading, it helps me. It helps open me up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know, like, I don't have a huge um tolerance to it, so like I can't smoke a ton because then I'll just you know be like living yeah. in the couch watching cartoons the rest of the night. So I have to like know my balance with it. Um, uh, but I can say that overall, it has helped me immensely. I don't I really see a negative aspect. The things that I think are negative are more just like inconveniences, you know, like oh it makes me hungry. It's so like okay, well.
1: Surrounding it too.
0: Huh?
1: And, like, the legality surrounding it, too. How, like, right. owning it makes you a target by the government.
0: Right. And, like, that's the big pain in the ass. Because, like, um, like, I'm thinking about right now how I'm, you know, I, I'm laid off. Well, really, the, the company fired me. So, like, I don't have a job to go back to after all yep. of this is done. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'll just... I'll I'll see what happens with unemployment, blah blah blah, and then I'll I'll look for another job, you know, if it comes down to it and that's what I got to do. If I can't, you know, get something going on my own. Um and I'm like, oh, shit. So like any companies that, you know, would pay a reasonable decent salary, most of them drug test and unfortunately, even though um, marijuana is medically legal in the state of Pennsylvania where I live and even if you have a medical card it you still can get fired or denied employment if yep. it is in your yep. system even though it's legal medically.
1: We even actually ran into catch-ups with that where American companies wanted to fire people in Canada for smoking a substance that was perfectly legal within the country
0: mm. and I'm not
1: sure if those disputes have actually even been fully resolved yet. Um, but there's a great deal I want to respond to about what you said, if you'd allow me to. Yeah, sure. So it's interesting that you say that, like, you use testosterone, which you acknowledge is a drug, but you don't necessarily see it as, like, too much of a drug, right?
0: Right. Yeah, like, I, um, I'm very picky and choosy with how I perceive things.
1: So here's the thing, uh, and this isn't to, like, say, go do drugs, but HRT is more intense than doing LSD. I'm, I'm being very honest when I say this. Um, a lot of trans people I've spoken to who have done substances will agree that the most intense thing that they've been through is HRT. Because here's the thing. You take, like, acid or psilocybin or you get drunk or you smoke weed. The epiphanies and the states that you're in only last for the duration of that high, right? And you will burn yourself out chasing it. You can't do that. You cannot fucking do that, right? Right. But HRT is a non-high change of perspective and it gives you a high but just not an intoxicating neurological high Mm -hmm. what happens is you get high on the chemicals of what your body has been craving and needing for that whole time because like when you're transitioning you're like literally craving estrogen or testosterone or whatever it is that you're trying to get right so yeah you've
0: been craving it your whole life
1: Yeah, and you have an infinitely more intense reaction to it. It shatters your world. You have to reassemble yourself fucking permanently, not just as, like, a one-time, oh, I reinvent myself, but then I'm allowed to go back to the patterns that birthed this, like, you often can have. Because, like, people who take substances and have these realizations, the biggest trap that we fall into is being, like, I had the realization and that was the point. The point was for you to have the realization and realize what you need to do with it. And a lot of people take that aha moment as such a catharsis that they allow themselves to go back to the same patterns that led them to that point of crisis to begin with. Hmm. HRT completely mitigates that problem it's like the the effect of a drug trip the change of perspective that allows you to be free of the conceptions of self that you have changed yourself to society has changed yourself to and everybody around you expects you to hold up to you're free to change all of that when you transition and you realize how much of an artificial construct it is that's the exact same thing that hallucinogenics do except you're doing it over a long period of time that Permanizes it, and they do it in a short period of time that's extremely intense and can potentially pose risks. So you would be surprised at how much HRT is just a very long, permanently drawn-out trip.
0: I would believe that. I I mean, I I think you're right. Um, I've never done any—I've never tripped on anything— um, like I said, the 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 hardest quote unquote hardest drug uh, that I've done is marijuana. I smoke weed, but um, well, actually, I don't know. Uh, in a hospital, I was given Valium and Percocet, and okay. they both Ooh. fucked me up. I'm very like opiate naive. I think they call it like anything that's like a downer really hits me hard. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, um, yeah, Percocet when I had my wisdom teeth taken out. That uh, that fucked me up. Try- watching Finding Nemo while high on Percocet at seventeen was an interesting, interesting
1: experience. I bet. <laughs> Can
2: I just come I in know. real quick and say, dear listeners, there are no spiritual properties of Percocet, so please don't. <laughs> oh yeah. Well,
1: here's the thing, too. There's no traditional values that we've ascribed to it. But every single substance that you interact with that has a spirit, whether or not we have traditionally named it or not. So LSD has a different spirit than psilocybin, has a different spirit than than morphine. And all of them very much do have those characteristics. And there's a lot of people who've been considering in DKMU working on a book called Via The Chemonomicon, which is where essentially people who utilize substances for altered states of minds and sit down and detail their experiences with individual substances so that people could have a frame of reference with which to work
2: and i you know i actually do agree with that my only issue is is i don't want anyone to use um there there is too much science as far as percocets are concerned it's too addictive And, um, it is incredibly, it's, it's dangerous, it's it's actually dangerous for the body, Yeah, over-prolonged use, and that's my only thing.
0: Yeah, if you're not prescribed it, don't, don't seek it out.
1: And look, I'm gonna be really honest here, we don't condone you using substances, but I'm gonna say something out of sheer fucking responsibility, Do something safe if you want to do it. Acid isn't going to just kill you if you take too much. You're going to be way too high. It is definitely going to pose to a schizophrenic uh, episode risk. You could potentially be so high that you lose control of your body and move by sheer thought and run out into traffic. So you do need to be a little careful with what you're doing, but the substance itself will not physically kill you and will not physically addict you, okay? You go and take something like meth, you will die eventually if, like, if you get. I can't tell you how many people I know who've like gotten hooked on something really bad, like meth, and that's why I like to drive home the fact that the drug war is ultimately a failure. What we need to do is provide people with information and healthy alternatives rather than condemning people who are often, you know, struggling with mental health or trying to access some type of like lack in their life Mm -hmm. through this substance rather than condoning them to or like condemning them to a system that treats them like they're prisoners and like convicts, we need to treat them like they need help, but not force them to take it, but present it if they want it.
0: I'll tell you this,
1: anybody who's chasing this shit will hit rock bottom eventually, and if, if they at rock bottom decide that they want to get out of it and they don't have the resources to, they're fucked. And if you try to force somebody to get off of it and they really don't want to, they'll never listen to you. They'll be exactly like my cousin and say, no, I don't want to go to rehab, I would rather be homeless and be high all the time, because it's a choice that people make. Right, and I don't think that you're ever going to naturally just stop people from wanting to check out from from pain and from society. And disassociatives like what Scott's talking about, like Percocet or heroin or opiates, they literally allow you to just check out of all the pain in the world and to never have to feel it. But that's it's the ultimate escapism. It is the ultimate path to annihilation. I I, I promise you, there is no sure more sure path of self-destruction than to go down that you know if you really want to have some sacred experiences research shit go to arrowid e-r-r-o-w-i-d research any substance you're going to do before you take it make sure you check any interactions that your medications have because if you're on a medication you need to be doing that make sure you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. i can't tell you not to do it when i myself have done it you know but mm-hmm. i can tell you to do it safely and that's the conversation that we need to have and there's a lot mm-hmm. i want to talk into about the magic of the trip here but i really needed to drive that home yeah don't get into the addicting shit don't get into the stuff that's going to rot your fucking brain man research it and be very careful and like talk to people who've done it before
0: yeah my my dad my dad growing up um my parents took a very good approach that i think i will also use um if i have kids of my own um they were very upfront about alcohol drugs smoking all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so my dad smoked cigarettes you know um my whole life he was like look smoking is stupid i don't recommend you do it it's bad for your body don't do it i do it i don't know why i do it but i do um he eventually quit And also with alcohol, like a lot, like growing up, my parents left their alcohol out on the, you know, like a little, we had a little like shelf kind of thing. All of it was just right there, just out in the open. Beer was in the fridge right next to the soda. And never once, never once did young me reach for that alcohol and say, oh, I'm going to, you know, sneak some of mom and dad's alcohol. Not once did I do that and my parents like their you know their friends who were also parents of kids of similar age were like oh, you, you just leave your alcohol just just sitting out with, with the kids you know like they're you know they're teenagers now and my dad was like they ain't gonna touch it they're yep. i guarantee you they will not touch it because it wasn't viewed as bad it wasn't like mm-hmm. forbidden mm-hmm. And my dad even said, he's like, if you want to try any of those things right there, let me know. I'll pour you a shot. I I will. If you want to try it, go for it. And he even said, he was like, you want to try drugs? Name any drug on the planet. I will get it for you and you can try it right in front of me and I will make sure you're safe. And because he was so stone cold serious, I was like, oh, well, drugs seem pretty dumb. Like, it seems, like, not worth yeah. the time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if I got to be high and hang out with my dad, like, who wants to do that, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I was just kind of like, eh, I'm not interested. And I think that's um not not to dictate anyone anyone's parenting styles, but I think that was a really good approach. It also depends on your kids and right. how your kids are.
1: There's a lot I want to say to that, too.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, me and my sister, we were both very, like you know we were quote-unquote we were good kids we didn't really get in trouble we read books and we got good grades so like you know we didn't really have a lot of troubles in that way but um but yeah i i think it was a really good approach
1: so here's two things one alcohol is absolutely a drug the fact that we have to say drugs and alcohol is very much a construct of the sheer capitalism behind alcohol because you can't just like go find alcohol in nature you can't put like seeds in the ground water it carefully and have grow alcohol a beer plant. grow you, yeah exactly <laughs> these are my you, vodka you, like, seeds have to literally, like <laughs> rotten ferment certain substances collect that drain off refine it like it's a fucking process right and also cigarettes and because, because that, cigarettes are also yeah. drugs because it's well, not cigarettes, just tobacco. Cigarettes are, the cigarettes are certainly drugs but that is also controlled similarly to marijuana right. um but like The thing is, you can really control, like, where people are getting their tobacco from, especially in Canada. If, like, you know, the tobacco you grow yourself tastes like shit, people always just go for the smokes anyways. Same thing with, like, any type of truly refined product. Like, if you're getting, like, um, morphine. You're not just, somebody didn't just cook that shit up. That's somebody, like, getting a prescription, then selling it off on the street for extra money, more than it costs them to buy it over the counter. That's normally how substances like that end up. Like, if someone's getting, like, Oxycontin, for an example, of a very terrible one that's killed people that I know, they're getting that through somebody else who has a painkiller prescription who's selling them off at, like, however much per tab. Right, and that, and that's what they'll do. You know, um,
0: um one thing, Sophia, I don't know if this is also happening in Canada as well as it is in the US, but there um there has been so doctors now are very, 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 very hesitant to prescribe any narcotics. Any
1: type of painkiller. Yeah, same thing here, of course.
0: I had my um my consultation with my surgeon a couple weeks ago and I was, you know, just asking about like um like healing and pain stuff medication. like that. Well, I was just asking about healing and stuff. And he goes, yeah, you know, we just send you home, tell you to take Motrin, and we'll see you in a week. And I was like, wow. Because I remember reading years ago, like, of, of older trans men who have had surgery. Like, they sent them home with, like, Percocet or Vicodin or something like that, at least for the yeah. first couple days. Um, and, and, I, and I said to him, I said, oh, that's really interesting. He's like, do you think you'll need something stronger? I'm like, no, no, that's no i i'm just i found that very interesting because it's it's very different from what i used to hear because honestly i have a high pain tolerance and honestly my plan is probably just to be like just smoke weed for a week right and just heal Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's kind of my plan (laughs) but uh yeah yeah
2: i mean even when i got my my gallbladder removed yeah i got um my the pain medicine i had was was i pretty much could have got it over the counter <clears throat> they just you know i guess wanted it to be more official it was nothing
0: it could be like ibuprofen 800 or something like it was, that yeah, it, yeah.
2: Was it had a fancy name but it yeah. was it was basically that um you know it, it you know and then unfortunately they do look for that like if you start asking for things mm-hmm. like uh, my mom once had bronchitis and she wanted um codeine mm. because it, it helped her sleep and it you know it makes it makes you feel better but it's 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 heavy duty, right? And I mean, this is years ago, and uh, they were like acting all funny all of a sudden, you know, because she my mom asked for it by name or whatever. And we to a cough medicine, you know, but it hasn't really been in in recent years. But they're just funny about yeah. that now. And it they're is still- also,
0: I do feel bad yeah. for people who do have chronic pain that are getting fucked because of people who abuse narcotics. Like, I feel, I genuinely feel bad for those people who do have these chronic pain conditions that need right. these medications.
2: You also have to remember, too, though, it's also a lot of those people as well with chronic pain who end up also getting addicted over time because they mm-hmm. take it for so long. And
0: they get, a, yep. it happened, to it. it
2: happened uh, twice at my, well, it happened twice yeah. at yeah. my mom's office. I won't name names Um, with her, with patients. But uh, it is, you know, it's a really unfortunate situation kind of all over but I think Mm -hmm. you know because I do agree uh Sophia uh back when you were saying how these substances have have spirits you know um and the reason in the you know the reason I completely agree with this is because um I did a lot more reading and uh you know in in particular into into alchemy and understanding you know pre-chemistry chemical process and understanding exactly their their uh, perception of spirit and dissolution, and you know how exactly that kind of comes about, and uh, you know, but it's just it kind of goes to show you. I mean, you know, exactly maybe there are certain spirits, you know, best left untouched, you know. Another thing that I did want to say was that both of you were completely spot on as far as Sophia, when you were discussing um, the treatment of uh, of people with addiction and how it should be treated and kind of how we should go about it. Um, and Jay, I also really liked uh, how, your, uh, how your parents handled alcohol and marijuana and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those things, that parenting style and uh, what Sophia was saying kind of about the the social uh, way that we should we should uh, take care of of our addictive uh, our addicted um, peers it, uh, is, is pretty much I mean that's completely backed by mo- modern science I was going to say most but all modern science completely supports both of those theories as far as uh, parenting psychology goes for Jay and as far as uh, not just psychology but even medical uh, research has proven that if we were to treat addiction as an as an illness and we were to kind of like even like you know people in philly got so upset because uh philly is still fighting for um safe injection sites yeah Um, Mm -hmm. the thing is is that those safe injection sites canada proved that it works canada and i think um uh, iceland or sweden sweden spain Um, too Oh did Spain too? I know mm. Canada and whatever have proved statistically without a doubt that safe injection sites are complete are, are completely better than anything we have now as far as how we've been treating people with addiction um it's it actually showed that uh it 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 slowly but surely started to um the people that were going to safe injection sites were uh more likely to not only go into a program to get off of off off of or get better from addiction they were also more likely to heal from addiction Mm -hmm. and to and to remain um off the drugs indefinitely and on a greater statistical scale so there is a lot to be said of of what sophia said and i i just you know wanted that kind of also, just to, to as a note.
0: <laughs> okay, and one
1: thing I wanted to kind of dive into in response was, um, Jay, you had said that your parents had that model of, like, you know, the liquor was just out, and you could just have some with them, right? But you didn't. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but I didn't. On
1: the flip side, my parents tried to do that a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit, until we stole liquor from them. And mm. um, you know, weed was was not allowed. To, you weren't allowed to do weed, so I mean, we went and did that. But, like, your parents didn't have a divorce, did they?
0: No, my parents are still married.
1: You weren't going through a bunch of shit as children, were you? No, I mean, you had some really. shit. Obviously, no, we had we had a
0: stable. We had a fairly stable like upbringing. That's
1: a large part of what contributes to it. and that's a factor mm. that not everybody realizes at first. Is like. If your parents are treating you well, like here's the thing. If you are an emotionally fulfilled person who doesn't have, like, loneliness or self-image issues or feel like there's something beyond yourself that would help you feel more complete, then you're not likely to do a substance like that unless, like, say... You've read about them and you're very excited to try something because you're a psychonaut and you want to experience all that is. And that's coming from it uh, from a place of like knowledge and enthusiasm and exploration rather than like pain, denial, and escapism, right? Like there's a very healthy way that you can interact with this stuff. But by nature, people who are wounded will use it to fill something, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're lucky, you can get what I have, which is to find the right substances for you that actually ended up giving you epiphanies that helped you heal. Hallucinogenics have been largely healing for me, and I actually wanted to talk a little bit about what it feels like to be high. You both have been high on weed, right?
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But only that. It's. I mean, I've been drunk before, too. Sure.
1: Sure, but do you know what it feels like when you're really, really, really high? Like I want you to think about the time that you were higher on on weed than anything else.
2: Yeah, I can remember that easily because I also had a spiritual experience when it happened.
1: Okay, what was it like?
2: It was the most vivid spiritual experience with an entity I've ever had in my entire practice. Um, uh
1: huh.
2: I could feel and touch and. Like, I was completely aware of the spiritual realm and completely detached, at least for a moment, um, from from the physical uh, pressures. I wasn't in therapy yet, so, like, you know, I still had, you know, all this untreated uh, depression and panic and avoidance. and um, But I was completely separated from all that, and it was just me and one of the um, main spirits that I work with. And, um, they presented themselves in this very, uh, almost alien-like sort of manner, which was really, uh, not scary at all. Um, but very, very, it it was, it was beautiful, and I could see textures and colors, and it was, it was vibrant. I could feel wind that wasn't in the room, but I could feel wind that was in this vision, um, I mean, and, 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 and of course, as far as, like, what my physical body felt, I'm a very sleepy high kind of person. I get very sleepy. Um, so, you know, I always feel like my eyelids get heavy, and I feel very, like, you know, my muscles relax. And uh, everything's funny, of course, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, but, like, what you were describing there sounds like impotency – similar to what a lot of other people have on really intense like hallucinogenic trips mm-hmm. yeah i agree so here's the thing that not a lot of people realize when you take substances they may be different but being really high is kind of the same no matter what you're taking actually like, it's it's weird to explain, right? Like, for example, if I was to compare cannabis, shrooms, sorry, psilocybin, mushrooms, and LSD, cannabis is like when I'm really high on it, it's a lot more dreamlike. It's like mm-hmm. I see memories almost, and like I have this connected, like I'm a wash in feeling of everything. When I take psilocybin, it's like, heavy death vibes like confronting mortality because mushrooms like literally feed on death right and they want you to see that what you're doing here is temporary and that your planet isn't a safe space for just your species to exist on like what if you get hit by fucking rocks and you like it's this really whole like worldly experience right and like what you think about is a little bit different whereas on like acid like it's a lot more clean Like, you don't have, like, the sick feeling you get from mushrooms, you don't have, like, the weird disassociation that you can get from cannabis, it's just, like, pure divine connection, like it's like being a flame with, with Promethean inspiration, you know, being able to just channel divine insight and speak it aloud as truth and have those like revelations into those systems, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Without necessarily having to have it be like death focused. Um, And like cannabis tends to be Like, the relations tend to be very similar, revelations you have tend to be similar to the drug themselves, like what the current is, but the tripping in and of itself and the self-introspection that's birthed from it is remarkably similar from substance to substance, because it goes to show that these things aren't necessarily, like, your brain just responding to the chemical reaction, because that's absolutely what they are, but it's also your conscious awareness and how it reacts to it, right? So I've also done, like, salvia divinorum, which if you've ever done, that's just probably the most, like, intense thing that you can possibly do. It's like if you smoke weed, it's like a slow onset sometimes, or like with anything, there's an onset period. But like with salvia, you go from 1% to 100% as high as you can be immediately. So it's, like, really hard to understand or have any like real use of it and it's like in and of itself that drug represents being uncomfortably high you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like all of these substances have different ways they will manifest and different effects that you will feel but the insights that you gain are universal they are consciousness based truths not chemical based truths so certain plants and certain plant spirits will help you see certain things like like i was saying mushrooms will help you with like understanding your place in the world as a whole Death, rebirth, the cycle, your immortality, like, everything like that shit, right? Whereas, like, LSD helps you understand, like, very cerebral concepts behind, like, the nature of reality, how things exist, what it's like to literally be able to, like, navigate these structures through magical manifestation and, like... Cannabis is a little bit more like just kind of connecting you to the heart of any, everything. Like you feel that real good energy, like that love, that peace that like washes over you and you like churn with it and exchange and that you pull it into you and hold that and then exchange it back to others. You know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's a very unique energy to each, but in the end it's all just you stepping beyond the illusion of separateness and like experiencing what it's like to have your your meridians of conscious experience step beyond that of your flesh vessel
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's yeah. why i mean it's like these these, like in particular for plants right because i mean that's my experience anyway i mean when i say experience I'm very much like Jay, like, I've, it's really, the only thing I've ever really been high on is weed, and like I said, I've been drunk before, Um, but I don't particularly like that very much. I I don't, I like weed, um, as far as, like, you know, if I choose to be inebriated, but even then, um, I kind of know exactly what you're talking about, Sophia, and for me, anyway, I choose to, I mean, I I do want to get, like, a medical marijuana card, because I find that marijuana is the only thing, uh, like, as far as medicine that really helps to supplement therapy and my spirituality um mm-hmm.
1: uh
2: so i do want to do that but um for me also too i always find like all these things like you know as far as the herbs anyway uh like i i that's why i like to call them athenogen um as far as you know like uh belladonna and, and mandrake and and uh
1: that's actually, in so for, a lot of occult circles, the go-to term that a lot of people will use for right. um, hallucinogenics. But and people don't use that because it's really hard to say. It and is. it might be enthanogens or athenogens. I don't know. I'd have to and go look up the word, look up how to say it just to be able to respond. You're, it does,
2: it's okay. Um, either way, uh, the, the word basically means... Um, psychoactive herbs that are used for religious purpose, right? Like, kind of, it's, it, yeah. it makes them spiritual. It makes them uh religious or spiritual in some way. Um, I, for me, like, that's why I don't like to do things, like, even when I was drinking, which I don't drink really much anymore, I really only like to do it once in a while just for a buzz. Like, so for me, I always kind of, like, but like you said, it's this – I, I always, I one, I always like to make sure that I I learn how to master meditation and and trance without the use of sub substance. Um, sure. However, every once in a while, I love I would I love I I would love for the opportunity because I've never really, um, I've had like opportunities. I just never had the money. There are people who make like flying ointments and things, um, but I. Uh, I never had the money when when I uh, you know to get them but um I always love kind of using that that communal time like to be able to go through that and to experience what you were just literally exactly what you were just saying Sophia um this kind of you know they 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 it, it, like it all in all they they break down like you said the illusion of separation right um and although they may have different um teachings they like you know each spirit from from these compounds or these plants what have you um they each may have a different teaching but like to experience them and to like I don't ever want to overindulge it's what I'm trying to say I something like from and this is completely just personal right like I'm only talking yeah, yeah. for myself this is not like a this is what other should, people should do um for me I, I like I like doing it in like a ceremonial um sort of uh, of a like a special celebratory time. You know what I mean? I do. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I would like to take a minute though to say that like whatever you end up doing is okay. Like I know that we need to put on a disclaimer in the beginning and say like no one's condoning anything and you do what you do. But in the end I also feel like we need to tell people that like man, if you're an addict and I'm speaking as an addict, I am a hopeless addict to marijuana. I smoke more than i I possibly should. I can burn half ounce in a week. no problem. that's like my average. I can fucking do an ounce in a week if I really feel like I need to. you know like it's it's not healthy, but I can't tell you not to, and you're not bad for being an addict and no it's okay like I, I, I fight with it. There's times where, you know, I try to be sober as a person because that's what I need to grow, or that's useful at the time, or I can't even afford to have a substance, you know? There's many variations as to why that may be the case, but I come back a lot to this, and I know that I'm not a sober individual and that's kind of like you notice there's a lot of substances I didn't mention like um cocaine I've never done cocaine even though most people have simply because I know that I'm enough of an addict that if I did I'd never stop until I was dead I I just I know that's that's the hard truth about it and like there's nothing wrong with like whatever you end up having to do in the end because no one has to live your life but you No one has to see the things you've seen or do the things that you had to do or put up with the shit that you had to put up with besides you and the people around you. And if you need something to help numb the pain, we as a society should not be judging you for it. We should be trying to help you. We should be helping you get therapists, um, have a safe use site if that's the case, have all the knowledge that you need to know to be able to do what you're going to do as a fully... Like informed and consenting adult who has sovereignty over their life, but we shouldn't be shaming anyone anymore over it. And right. it's great if you want to do what what Scott's doing and use use substances occasionally. And it's great right. if you're like Jay and you don't really do much uh, substances at all, um, aside from like say caffeine or sugar or testosterone which are substances themselves but they're not like intoxicants right um and if it's okay if you're like me and you're a bit of an addict and you need to experiment with stuff to learn who you are because you don't have any sense of self without other and for some of us those questions of who am i aren't necessarily answered so easily and sometimes we really do gotta push ourselves to the absolute boundaries of what we can experience to really know what it is that we hold dear and want to value and put your energy into in your life you know and wherever you're at just be safe just just inform yourself be careful show yourself love and just remember that you're important and doesn't matter if you're sober or you're high, you still have value. No matter how often or how little you do it, even if you never do it, you don't have to do any of these substances at all to gain uh, insight or information. It's what's right Uh for you. And that's what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, a lot of the, um, the narrative, especially as kids in school, that we're given in regards to drugs is like you know all i can think of is mr garrison from south park you know drugs are okay. bad okay
1: yeah like, we can all quote
0: it in like unison okay <laughs> so like that's the only like it's like don't do drugs or i think of um that scene from mean girls you know like don't have sex because you'll get chlamydia and die you know like oh that's <laughs> that's the um That's what they teach us about drugs don't do drugs drugs are bad period marijuana is the gateway drug that's it there's no other way around it all black and white and it's just it's just wrong it's just incredibly fucking wrong and harmful yeah and yeah yeah. um and i agree with everything you were saying sophia with you know if if you are an addict then you are just as valid as the rest of us the only times where i come into having issues with people who are addicts is when children are involved because it's it's a right, whole but that's other like, layer
1: hold on though that's like anything else in the world yeah do as thou will as long as you do not infringe on somebody mm-hmm. else's right to do so and if you're too fucked up and absent to provide a child what you should be doing as a parent then you absolutely should not be in a position where you are parenting that child at That yeah. moment, that is just a sheer fucking law of yeah. like how shit works you know yeah like you're not be above the repercussion of your actions, you know. And if you have someone who's res- who you have to care for, you're responsible for them.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that entirely. What are you gonna say? I about? have
2: gotten into so many fights in defense of people. Um, you know, in Philly, there are so many times. Uh, um, I mean, I you know don't get me wrong. Like, I I totally know where Jay is coming from. You know, like it it is hard to see but even still i can never shake like i've never gotten mad i'm my parents they get mad like they're oh they're disgusting they're beneath us and i'm just like no they're they're sick like you don't understand yeah. you know like you know i was like i don't even understand the only way i know it is through you know academia you know what i mean like i i understand it because class you know but i was like you don't get it Because you never been through it, you never studied it, you like, you know, like you know. So I, I I don't know. I've, I've fought with so many people who were just like, oh, they're disgusting. They're, you know, addicts are beneath us. And I was like, it's a sickness. It's like, you know, it, it's like you don't. And I say this to people. I was like, you don't say that to a bulimic person. You know what I mean? Like, you don't say that to someone with cancer or a broken leg. You know, like or um. You know, or a, I forget what the astronomy bag. What are they called? Colostomy bag. Colost... That's it. Um, you know, like you don't say that to them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I, I'm sorry. Now I could get real passionate about this. So I'm gonna, like, oh, you know, hold, like you know.
1: Well, it just it's the same thing as mental health. You're right, it, though. It, like, it is,
2: but like you, like you said, it's about chasing something, right? Like, yeah a lot of the time what addiction is it's people like you know i mean it, don't get me wrong like there are we, we you know i'm not going to be here and whatever um we could talk a while about the causes right there's like a biological factor and mm-hmm. personality factor it's a very
0: and... multifaceted issue Yeah, but and the point sometimes of the matter it's is, like
2: is that it's it's you know it's the need for something that should yeah. already be instilled in someone those p- nine times out of ten, people who are addicts, people with mental illness in general, it is because something that should be there is 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 lacked in some way, and in often in all times is no fault of the person. You know, like it is not a trans person's fault that they have dysphoria. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you did nothing wrong. You get it? You yeah. get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, it is it is not my fault that I have avoidance because I I was abused as a child like it's not it's not their fault you know what I mean like and I like you know and so yeah. people so many people like what the what'll happen is they'll, they'll 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 only latch on to the part where they realize that there are certain choices made in addiction and they'll oh, well it's only a choice yeah but you don't understand the intricacies of what led to that choice and that the, the addiction is a lot of things addiction is not one thing which is why it's so fucking hard for people to 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 heal from addiction
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know and all these people that they they, they they choose to belittle them and diminish them and then they get oh and then when you know when then when they when they, when they pass away and we lose them uh, you know the, then they act as if the world's a better place like fuck you man like hmm <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say no the world would be a better place without you but like uh, I kind of feel like that sometimes like I'm not going to lie would
1: be a better place without that kind of thinking
2: Oh man I you're right you're right you're absolutely right without that kind of you know this 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 primitive if you you know this this old colon you know what I mean
1: I do. And, like I'll say something too Here's like what the hallucinogenics have taught me too. those people who are making those judgments they're stuck they learned that from somebody else you're oh, yeah. nobody is born into this planet hating other people no. or thinking other people are drains on society or naturally having gaps that we need to fill we're born capable and fully ready to learn and live and love as fucking ca- middle white class Karen as that sounds, you know? Like, it's true. Humans are like pre wired to be connected with each other. You know, mm-hmm. there's a reason why, like, men included, even if they haven't, like, had a child that, like, bore a child physically, they still get the same oxytocin boost that women do when they parent and are close with their child. Like, mm-hmm. you are wired to want to be close and loved by people. And if you look at people who are drug addicts, who are hurting, and think that they are utterly disposable and the world would be a better place without them, it's because you're hurting. And yeah. rather than using a drug to express it, you do it through hating others.
0: Yeah, it, and it, that's it, what yeah. it
1: comes down to. Is we, right. And this is the shit. We're all united by the same problems of what it means to be human. We, we hate being chained to a system that we didn't agree to that ultimately doesn't care for us or treat our life with respect. We're ultimately disposable. Um, we don't even get to live comfortably, even though we are responsible for making the world be exactly what it is. We lack the fundamental connection with other human beings that we crave. Society only gives us models to ostracize and other each other. It never gives us something to bring us closer. Every single model that we have to develop through that is done individually and interpersonally and through radical work but the yep. system itself is designed to, to tear us apart and pit us against each other i it's mean, even what the world that's what the people running the world made it to be
2: even the topic we're talking about tonight like the, you mentioned the war on drugs right mm-hmm. do you know how much you know and it's not and, and i mean obviously we know that like the dare program they're incredibly racist origins everyone needs oh, yes. to know that um but uh, did you also know huh
0: i didn't know that
1: do you want to yeah oh, fucking drop a bomb here the, go the, for when, it yep
2: yeah, the oh i don't know all the details anymore it's been a long a long time but the dare program was started as a, as a bit of a smoke screen as a dust like it was supposed to be like oh look how docile our information is like we're just here to save you from evil evil drugs but all the while, it was so that way there was like a smoke screen up. So that way they're introducing drugs into impoverished um, communities of, of people of color, poor, poor people. And also one thing that's not talked about, um, but also too, there's a reason why the LGBTQ plus community is so addicted as well. Um, it was a war against minority peoples that they didn't like in the beginning, or to begin with, excuse me. Um, Uh, You can look it up. There's a lot on this. Uh, Sophia, you might have more information, more intricacies. It's been a long time. I I had a lot, but kind of...
1: I've read the theory. Um, You're essentially... Sorry. Um, It's not a theory. I've read about it. You're essentially spot on for what I remember. What I would add was that um, if you're going to prevent somebody from doing a drug, governments know the first thing that you should do is put funding and resources into that community. If kids have better things to do with their time, Mm -hmm. they're not going to get involved with drugs. They're going to be off doing like an activity that they love. If that kid who they're going to arrest for whatever substance it is, had resources to say, play whatever instrument they wanted and have that space every day after school, most of them wouldn't be there. Most of them would be at school having that instrument practice doing what they really want to be doing with their life, right? Yeah. And it, it comes down to like when your family's starving, when you come from a broken home, when your entire world is built on instability, you you can't fix that by introducing substance on the, on like a demonstrated, like, sorry, let me rephrase that when your world when you come from like a broken world like that like a lot of people do sometimes You don't fix that by saying, here's what dangerous substances are, don't do them. That's entirely counterproductive. In fact, they know that it's actively harmful. How you fix it is by making community centers, by making food banks, by doing clothing swaps and clothing drives, by doing educational groups. All of these things help lift people up and give them the tools that they need to better themselves That's why they don't do it. That's why they do dare instead, because it says, hey, look, drugs are dangerous. Well, kids who only have danger to fuck around with, because trust me, as a young delinquent myself, we played with guns. We played with gasoline. I know a kid who literally lit the river on fire to try and get his brother out of it. He poured gasoline in the river and lit it on fire because he didn't like that his brother wouldn't come out of the fucking water. Like. This is what happens when you when you have holes that you're trying to fill, right? Like, people do wild fucking shit, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you don't solve that by introducing more danger and more things that you're telling people not to do. Because you know that gasoline they told us not to play with? What, what did we fucking do? And you know those guns that they told us, oh, these are dangerous? What do you think we pulled apart for gunpowder to fuck with shit? Because that's what we did. Of course we were gonna, you know? Yep. And it's I mean, the like, exact same thing. That's exactly in, like, what happened with Dare.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, even, like, if you ever watch any of, like, the old, like, the original, like, Dare um, advertisements and stuff, I I remember there there's so many of them that are completely racist. It's, like, utterly ridiculous. Which, of course, one might argue. Like, the argue white kid getting dated. offered drugs
1: by the, like, the white kid getting offered drugs by the kid who's, like, not white?
2: Yeah, there's, and there's another one with, like, an older, like, an older white, I think, I don't remember. There's, there's all sorts of really horrible ones. Um, But even, too, like, if you go back and, like, uh, look at, um from the 80s uh and, and like, the 70s, they used to have, uh, like, the dangers of the homosexual. They were, like, these, like, uh short TV sort of. I don't know specials or whatever. <laughs>
0: the um, dangers would... of the homosexual. Can they that be, be? the title like that. of my memoir? <laughs> <laughs> and
1: these these. The and homosexual can... menace. <laughs>
2: I've seen some of these. Yeah, you know what? I mean, they may not be the exact, but they would have stupid titles like that. Uh. And they would always be like these thinly veiled sort of like um it would always be like back alley stuff. I mean, because unfortunately at the time, um like I found out so much like like as far as like the um th- there was so much as far as they built up an entire culture about outing queer people. Um like there was an entire thing about outing queer people and like ruining their their livelihoods like it was like an actual like a movement wait, wait, in this dare? country uh no not dare i'm okay. trying to get i'm making a point about the uh the, the um the drug use okay what i was trying to get to was that in these videos they'll do these things where it's like they'll like they're, they're, it'll be like smoke filling the air or there'll be like drug paraphernalia for like you know when, when talking about like the dangers of the queer person they were always like kind of like trying to allude to to like excessive drug use and you know sexual perversion and these are things that they would do. And these the, the like dare was a part of, you know, eventually of KB you know became a thing. But I mean when you look yeah, at yeah. the dare
1: no sorry please go ahead.
2: When you look at the dare videos, they're 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 one, they're still you know they're early nineties. So you know they still have they you know they're still playing up to the same propaganda types that they did, you know what I mean, from the 80s um, and the late 70s. And it's still the same tired, you know, stupid people trying to make you scared of the other people, right? Um, and it, yeah. it really was, like, like I mean, like Sophia said, it, because, you see, the thing is, is, like, all of this stuff, like, all the attacks, even to this day, that are done on minority communities, on, on uh, you know, like, like POC, queer people, et cetera, it is because we are so much stronger together than we are separate. And the thing is, oh, is that if, we, God, yes. if, we, if we found a place where we could sit at the metaphoric table together and we all talked it out, we would fucking realize how much we've been pit against each other. You know, and I'm talking like even cis white gays would realize that they're just the scape- scapegoat. They're the, they're the baby handbag and the friggin', you know, juicy fucking shorts, whatever. You know, that's all that cis white gays are. So, at the end of the day, you know, the, the people did these things, like the war on drugs, uh, cause that's particularly what we're talking about here, they did it because it is divisive, and they know that they know that the minorities cannot come together or else they we we would it would be done it would be over but the problem is is that we also, have so many problems there are so many social problems existing within our own communities mm-hmm. like drug addiction mm-hmm. um like uh, and then of course you know inter in, you know but intercommunity so like you know intersectionality right you know like you have white queers who are incredibly racist and then you know, there is a a sort of a masculinity problem that, like, a toxic traditional masculinity problem that's often found within Black male communities, you know, like, that creates a more uh, homophobic type situation. I mean, these things happened sort of on purpose, you know, Um, these ideas. Also,
1: I really got to point out that, like, while you're on this tangent, we need to address that the origin of making these substances illegal is literally racism. They were made illegal so that they had a reason to criminalize people of color for existing, especially marijuana.
2: Or cannabis. I think marijuana is the racist term, so I think we want to call it cannabis.
1: I don't know. But, But my point being is that, like, that's literally racist from the get-go they the drug war in and of itself was made to keep poor people of color down and they could like literally arrest them for this substance they could purport them as like the the deranged cannabis-fueled met madness um lunatic you know like reefer madness ah like we all saw the propaganda and shit and how ridiculous it was from way back in the day but it was all directed at people people of color and it was all directly like made to elicit white panic so all of these drugs that are illegal all of the substances that are kept behind locking key all of this shit with the drug war and not giving people access to mental health care it's simply for one thing you can put people in prisons prisons in america are for profit mm-hmm. prisons for profit need to be filled what fills prisons more than anything else? Nonviolent drug offenders. What can you do with people in prison? You can force them to work for 10% or 13%, something around there, the minimum wage of the state that they're being imprisoned in, which mm-hmm. usually equates to a dollar thirty or less per day depending on the state. So you can essentially enact slave labor by rule of law well if you look at this and you know that it equates to slave labor look at who it targets oh look it's just an extension of slavery shucks yep yep that's all yep. it is it's just a way to arrest people for existing and force them into a system that turns them out like cattle because corporations are that morally bankrupt
0: i think wow. it's so interesting that this discussion on just drugs and substances and stuff like that like it went into this very um into this direction and like it i like to, it though. i like it because it's true you know like it's um like we all are discussing this like we all have a certain like level of privilege like we are all white none of us are mm-hmm. you know I mean, I'm Métis,
1: but I'm visibly white most times. Yeah, but, you, but, like, you know, you're perceived family, as white. Yes, but, like, my family, not so much. And some of them will get arrested for shit like this, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I do see that firsthand, and I acknowledge it, and that is what it is.
0: Yeah, it's just, um... I-, I think I would like to revisit this topic maybe with um, some other people who are different from us, like people of color, people from different you know backgrounds and areas of us i think this would be a really good topic to Mm -hmm. do like a part two of and just explore like that actually there's a lot of topics that we have done in the past that i would like to revisit with a more diverse um
1: if we're going to do that i would like to also be able to talk a little bit about like metis shit because i've mentioned several times on the podcast that like I am Métis, but I've Mm -hmm. never really gone into great detail about what that's like or what that's been, like, how that's affected my family, like, Mm -hmm. specifically my dad's side and me. Because there's a lot that I really don't tell everyone because it's an excruciatingly painful history and traumatic for a lot of people to just even hear, you know?
0: Maybe that could, um, be an episode coming up. Maybe we can, um yeah bring darian back in for that discussion i'm sure he has a lot to say we could reach out to
1: some other people who have those um those experiences who'd be willing to like sit down and talk about stuff Mm. i would really love to share share a metis perspective and talk about like how living on the reservation affected my cousins versus the one cousin who literally got like pulled out of the truck and and raised by our grandparents instead because she wasn't actually oh, it's so complex, I'd have to get into it. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot, right? But like my family's extremely split up by like intergenerational trauma and like drug use and addiction and anger and all that shit. And it would probably be a very emotionally cathartic episode to like participate in and to for everyone to listen to too. And I want to hear other people's experiences with it too, because like I I'm so very I keep those like experiences so close to my heart that I don't really get to talk to other people who've like been through that shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it would be really, I I would get a great benefit out of that, and I would really like that.
0: Yeah, ooh. that's but definitely like, a good idea for a future episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: but like you were saying, Jay. I mean, like, and and like Sophia said, like it it was like kind of like it needed to go here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. was, you know, like there there there. I think the thing is, I think realistically what it really is about is there is a sacredness to, um, there, there can be a sacredness to substance. Um, and, you know, then of course there can be, you know, a, you know, uh, how do you put this, like a maladapted kind of a sickness, like addiction. And then there's also this kind of social uh, problem, you know what I mean? And uh to put it very simply. Um, and I think all three of those things need to be talked about. Um, you know, herbs are sacred to many people, to Metis, to Europeans, to people of color, you know, to, to Asian people, you know, but then of course, you know, like all of these this is intersectional, right? This is a highly intersectional topic. Um Yeah, I think I think it's important
0: yeah so um yeah i mean i think we can really wrap this up here so uh we will we will continue this discussion in the future and like i said i would like to revisit some old topics that we've done and you know get a more diverse um panel of people speaking on these topics but um we're gonna wrap it up here for this episode I'll just do my little closing spiel and then we'll see you guys in the next one. So if you are new to us, uh, we are on the big three social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is witchesbetwixt, all one word on all three platforms. We all check each one except Twitter, which is pretty much exclusively run by me, Um, but feel free to message us on any of them and we will get back to you. If you want to add your post to our online community, you can use the hashtag WBTWXT. And the links to our official Facebook group, Discord server, and website are in the show notes below. And Sophia, earlier you mentioned some website uh, where you could look up... Arrowhead. Arrowhead. I'm going to drop that in the show notes below. Yep, I'm going to grab that from Sophia and drop that in the show notes for you guys to check out. Um, But other than that, I hope you enjoyed this discussion. And we'll see you in the next one.
1: Don't forget to banish. Yeah. Also, I'm going to point something out here that I want um, you to cut out of the episode. This is just like something funny I noticed. When I address y'all from Philly, when I say, was there something you wanted to say? You always respond by saying no first. But then proceed to give the response that you were that you had in your mind you're like no i was just gonna say oh yeah say it you always do it no matter what the circumstance is you will always deny that you're going to say it say what you and then you'll be like i was just gonna say this and you just like literally go right back into it it's it's literally crazy. people I've
2: caught from myself Philly. doing it once in a while too yeah. i've caught myself yeah, doing like, it
1: we are like, like I'm never, no i was just, just gonna say i don't i don't know whether or not when you say no i should continue so sometimes like it, when i was learning to deal with it originally i would like step on people's toes verbally a little bit because i would immediately take no it's like no nah, i'm good i was just gonna say like something it's okay like nine <laughs> times out of ten that's what people do it as but y'all in philly are like straight up doing it to segue into a whole ass fucking sentence and that is like a, a red herring and a half <laughs>
0: I know, it's awful. We're also like big on like yeah nah. Like what does yeah, that nah. mean? Yeah no, yeah no yeah no what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah nah. Like yeah. What, what what is it yes or no? Like, yeah no, just, no that's
1: a dis look look look, I ha I grew up with people like that. Yeah no is a disagreement. Is that what that is?
0: Ooh, like it's yeah, answer, it's
1: like it's yeah, yeah no,
2: Oh, that see, that's the thing. Here it's different. It means you agree.
0: Yeah, that's what it means. Here, it's
2: not, well, normally anyway, not yeah. I've always added an agreement. Yeah. That
1: so like, fuck. that's why you got to be very careful about the words that you choose.
0: Yeah, like, um, like I could say to Scott, like, um, I like Oreos, and then um, Scott could be like, Yeah, no, Oreos are great. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yep, so yep, that means yep. we agree. <laughs> yep.
1: Oh, I mean you you can usually use that, okay, look, if you follow it up with an agreeing statement it it's a totally an agreeing like if you go, yeah, no, those are great, like that's just a sheer sure agreement, but if you just go, yeah, no, that's a that's a shutdown well,
2: that's weird i've never I never experienced that here,
0: I think it depends how you say it if you've you say you never
1: experienced someone, you've never experienced someone look at you and go, "Yeah, no,
0: oh, condescending oh, that. like that <laughs> that's yes.
2: just bitchy people,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: But but that that can get taken. as that really easy too? Yeah. Also, we should like totally give this as like an after the credits thing. Like I'm going
0: to. Disgusting. I'm going to pop this in at the end.
2: This is really wholesome. I really like this. Action. Yeah. <laughs>